1: Hello and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is PJ Smith, the spoken word artist who performs under the character name Roy. As Roy, PJ tells stories from the streets of his hometown of Liverpool. They're sometimes brutal, often funny, always powerful. His style is unpretentious and authentic. It's very much spoken word without all the bollocks. PJ's other life sees him work full time with recovering addicts at a post-rehab centre. He himself is a former addict who's been sober since 2007. PJ's a real one-off with an amazingly relatable way of talking about tough issues that affect so many men. I love chatting to him for this week's pod and I hope you enjoy listening. PJ Smith, welcome to The Reset. All right, Sam. Thanks for having me, mate. It's a real pleasure to have you on, mate. I've been uh, wanting to have you on The Reset for a long time um, and I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your story. Um... Mate, hopefully a lot of people will be familiar with your uh, spoken word performance art and and how, you know, authentic it is and the sort of stories it tells, which, you know, are going to resonate with so many of us and entertain us too. But before we get into talking about that, where does this all come from, mate? What was was life like before Roy for you? Um, Well,
0: only... It's it's hindsight that like makes you realize what it was like actually. Because when you're in it, you know, when I was born and up until my teenage years, maybe even my early 20s, everything's just you just kinda I anyway, just you know, everything's normalized, or oh, this is how it is, mm. it's fine, it's it's own it, it coincided with me like getting sober and having some clarity and thinking maybe it, like my upbringing wasn't as normal as i thought it was yeah. you know what i mean because yeah. i didn't have any um what we call like big t traumas so yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't victim of violence or kidnap or abuse or mental torment or but i had a lot of small t traumas that i would never have classed as traumas
1: subtle mm. ones mm. along the way mm. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I love that phrase, mate. Small T and big T traumas, because this to me is so. Is it that? It's very true of my own story, and it's true of so many people I speak to through the reset. It's like we are almost like trained from an early age to, or we learn very quickly to pretend to be okay. And also, the power of the word trauma. Most yeah. of us associate that with like war veterans. Yeah, and if, of it's, anything, yeah. if, if, if it's anything less than seeing your mate have his legs blown off by a landmine in Afghanistan, yeah. that you don't feel like you've got the right to call no. it trauma. No. And so I've been thinking for a while, we need a different term for it. But actually, mm. small t-trauma works really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and so, you know, it's really interesting. And like so many people, you only started to investigate that after you got sober. Yeah. What, what, tell us a bit about that, what led up to you deciding to get sober. I'd just be... in. Um,
0: One of these people who I've encountered quite a lot since, who just go, "No, my upbringing was normal, the love and home," and then what usually follows that is, we went on all of these. I had all the latest sportswear and computers. That's what they mean by a normal upbringing. Yeah, they don't. Then kind of you get to talk to them a little bit more about the life, and there's a real. it's the laughing poem, isn't it? You know what I mean. Your mum and dad they mm. fuck you up. They don't mean to, but that's what I, I think as well. It's a sometimes some loyalty to the family system where you yes. don't want to say, you know, because um, you think you're badmouthing your mum and dad and that by saying we, we we didn't get much of me dad's time, or you know, my mum didn't show us affection. You don't want to say that because you think it's misloyal to them, and you, yeah. You're going to think that other people think you're having a go at them, but nobody has a normal upbringing because I don't think there's such thing. Life Mm. just takes chunks out of you. People only know what they know and nobody's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I know that feeling. It's like the first time I went to therapy, I was sort of like the reason I've been resistant to it for so long, a large reason was I thought I'm not willing to start. Even yeah. in confident, even in a confidential environment, I am not willing to bad mouth my parents. Yeah, because yeah. they always loved me, and nothing's yeah. changed. Of course, I know they loved me. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and also, what you learn in sport is ultimately you don't really blame them, even if you can identify no. the the moments or the things that they might have done by mistake that made you feel the yeah. way you felt. You can't really you don't really blame them because you think, oh shit, they're just like me. You know, how would they weren't exactly. to know? We just like I'm oh, not to know now. And then you think, yeah. oh, probably doing all sorts of damage to my kids about nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's quite quite a scary thought, really. Um yeah. uh so so where, when was that anyway when you when you sort of quit quit everything and got so I, yeah. yeah. So again, like my there's probably
0: there's probably people in my family, my mate too, like, you're not an alcoholic, mm. you know what I mean? Because they they go off this uh, definition that they have, yeah. which is all stereotypical. Like what I mean when I say it is just that it did I didn't mix well with it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Once I started, I couldn't nearly stop, and there was always a terrible ending, and that continued for years until I got to the point where the denial had been smashed a bit. And um, I just kind of started to open up to the idea, I might need to pack this in. Yeah. I might need to pack this in, in order to... And again, similar to, I listened to your Chip Summers episode, and he said, yeah. like, three days into rehab, he just went, right, this is for me. Yeah. That happened to me, but it took about two weeks, and I just went, right, I can honestly see a life without drink or drugs. I can yeah. honestly see it, and I want to I wanna piece together why I act like I act. I want to join the dots up of why I keep banging my head against the same wall um, and not specifically around drinking, more about me pattern, my pattern of behaviour. You know, everyone has a pattern and we keep repeating it because we've got blind spots. And I think mine was like, and it's kind of linked to trauma um, in, a, in a kind of unconventional way. So my dad was... Um, He was a binge-drinking alcoholic. He didn't drink every day. He wasn't drunk all the time. But when he'd drink, he'd go for it. Um, He was a compulsive gambler as well. And The lows off that, we'd kind of see his moods and all that kind of stuff. Um, So things like when my dad's not at my parents' evening or when he's not at my football presentations, as a six-year-old, seven, eight, unconsciously, like I'm thinking, there's something wrong with me like everyone else that's here what's wrong why isn't my that's and again I, I want to like reiterate I'm not conscious of that I'm not a six yeah. year old thinking that so but by the time I get to 12 13 and start drinking that's that's grown that feeling and then as I I'm turning into a young man I've got this feeling of um, like a f- fault a belief really a deep rooted belief of I'm I'm just a fucking inconvenience, me. Mm. I'm just, like, meaningless to people. And what I try to do then, and this is what I see. I see this in a lot of people. Now, you have this false, it's a false belief, um, but you try to disprove it. So the, you, I go about it the wrong way. So I'm trying to, sitting in pubs as it's in my early 20s or whatever, unconsciously again, trying to prove I'm not a dickhead, mm. but I'm acting like a dickhead. So I'm kind of like borrowing money, not paying it back. I'm getting so pissed I'm embarrassing people. I'm losing jobs. I can't hold on to relationships. So the very thing I'm trying to disprove, I'm actually proving it.
1: Yeah. And
0: when I prove it to myself, I go, see, you know, that self-defeat, at see, I knew it and that's when I drink. And that, that's been my pattern that, all my life. I've got, and it, it took me till I was 30 years old, like four three years sober I started to join the dots together i'd done some therapy like a, a course and um, it was nothing to do with recovery from alcoholism it was just personal development and he said to me on the phone are you in recovery have you ever had a problem i said i am been sober yeah i'm in recovery he said how long i went three years and he kind of looked at me and went okay yeah that should be enough you'll you'll be able to withstand this course you know what i mean like I'm, th- I'm thawed out, I'm dried out. And <laughs> yeah, good, yeah, you're ready.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But I joined I just joining the dots up and kind of understanding what my triggers are and, and me why I react the way I do in certain situations. Because I didn't want to keep on doing it. Mm. Didn't I've been sober years and 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 drink had gone. It it wasn't really a thing for me anymore. But I knew there's got to be more to life than just not drinking don't want to just not drink, I want to crack on with things and if I just keep hitting the same obstacles, I'm not going to get anywhere. So it took a lot of humility, which I didn't really have in in my adolescent years and I was very arrogant and kind of a know-it-all. So sobriety took me down a couple of pegs or two and made me realise I have to take some responsibility for the way my life is instead of blaming and understand that, like, the classic fatherless lad has played a part in that I always said it didn't affect me mm. he wasn't there so his it behaviour didn't, it didn't affect me but of course it did of mm. course it did
1: yeah it yeah felt- so it's, it's very much part of like um, masculine identity that isn't it like I talk to people and they go all the time ah, yeah this happened to me that happened to me but the thing about me is it doesn't bother me I've just moved on. I've just moved on, and it's like, well, yeah, you move on. You're still alive. You're still living your life. Yeah, but perhaps you're carrying a load of shit with you. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's that. You you don't necessarily need to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a hammer in it. It's like a, um, it's a
0: defense. When I'm, I, I know from my own experience when I'm being defensive. Like, it just means I can't really grow or go anywhere because I'm I'm stuck there. It's like the owl, You know, I'm fighting. I'm fighting against something rather than standing for something, like, in a really yeah. simplistic way. I don't want to fight addiction. Mm. I want to stand for recovery. There's a yeah. big shift in energy there, like, feels that way yeah.
1: anyway for me. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Um in the first few years, when you know, before you sort of undertook the therapy, what how do you see yourself then in those first three years? So I'm always interested in that. I, I look back on my own first few years and I think, oh, I was just still fucking mad, I was just stopped putting things in my system to be yeah. mad, sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, I
0: made a lot of mistakes, I had a lot of um, blind spots, behaviors, um, that I just. Was oblivious to because I just thought oh, I'm not drinking, I'm not taking drugs, I'm not causing any bother. But actually, I was. I was. I started to learn about that addiction isn't to do with the substances. Mm. It's, it's your fucking mindset and your view of the world. And but luckily, I f- I feel fortunate because when I got sober, I didn't have anything to lose because I'd already lost it. Didn't have anywhere to live didn't have any money, didn't have any jobs, right. didn't have a relationship. And I felt like I had an advantage on a lot of people in the rehab. I just had nothing, absolutely nothing at all to lose and just thought, I'm going to give this a go. And yeah, me kind of perception of, of the world around me shifted quite quickly. I was very cynical, very, very cynical, mm. closed-minded. And I... I I wish I had explain what happened. Like It was the first time in my life I'd been surrounded with people who weren't, in many ways, they were like me, but in many ways, they weren't. They weren't gossiping. They weren't being negative and cynical. They were giving life a go. And that was, like, revolutionary to me. I was just like, fucking hell, what's up with these people? You know what I mean? <laughs>
1: yeah. Contagious, is it? Recovery is contagious. Well, it's like you you find, you start to discover new ways of of enjoying life that you effectively cut yourself off from, from quite a young age, almost the moment when you started drinking and taking drugs, which for a lot of us is very young. Yeah. And you kind of, that's when you fall into cynicism about almost any other lifestyle choice that isn't aligned with your own. Basically, yeah. and uh, fear, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and that, you know, it certainly took me a few years to get to the point though after getting sober that I really really wanted to embrace all of that new stuff yeah. and and yeah. open my eyes and my mind. And I still feel now that I've got work further to go, which is quite an exciting prospect when you think yeah. of that. You think of how much you've changed, but you think sort of also think how little you've changed and how mu- yeah. like more of the road is left ahead of you. That's well, quite a shift, exciting. isn't it?
0: Where like where you've just said then you you know you're looking forward to the change, the upheaval and all that. But there must have been a time where you just dreaded that. It's like, do I have oh, yeah. to do all this shit?
1: But when it yeah. changes like that, it's yeah, it's life changing, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose it's like if 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 you go on like some people go on a diet or they like change their the way they eat or they start exercising and it's a fucking drag. But the moment yeah. at which it becomes all right is when you look in the mirror one morning, or you tread yeah. on the scales, and you think, "Shit, yeah. this has actually made a difference now." Yeah, and actually, you if, keep doing, if you keep doing that every day, it's going to get even better. Yeah, <laughs> then of course it can become an addiction in itself, but uh, oh. <laughs> you know, recovery can be an addiction, can't it? I mean, in in, I mean, it's a good one, but you can get sort of so into it that you can miss the point.
0: Yeah. I yeah. missed the point. I've had um, I've had mates like that and kind of like, you know, they go, they say to me, you know, P, I'm two years sober and I do a meeting every day and I've got service and, and, I, and some of them find religion or whatever and they say I pray and I meditate and, and I go, yeah, but are you making any like interpersonal changes in your own, in your family, with your health? your hobbies, and they go, no, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. Like This is not about just immersing yourself in those groups. It's about on a very basic level, like trying to enjoy your life and be of service to other people. Yeah. So, I I mean, I I had an experience once where there was somebody who was, whether it's religion or recovery or any form of lifestyle kind of thing you get into, it shouldn't be a fear-based thing if you're yeah. trying to make progress. So I remember having these tickets for the cinema once, or it might have been the theatre, and I said to the lad, I know, you know, didn't have much of a kind of life outside meetings. I said, do you, wanna, do you want one of these tickets? We'll go out, we'll have something to eat. And he said, I can't, I've got to make the tea at the meeting. Right. I said, get someone else to do it. Come and live, live here. And he was fearful. Like, if yeah. I don't make the tea, I might relax or... People yeah. might
1: think bad of me, and I was like, hey,
0: you've got to have a life.
1: Yeah, the, the meet- I, 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 life. I, I, I 100% agree with you. You know, the meetings or whatever it is you do, even if you don't do me, yeah. you do something else, it's only to facilitate yeah, real life. Yeah, what course, I, mate, what yeah. I call it, you're walking around life. Do you know yeah. what I mean? The, the yeah. life where you're actually out and about doing yeah. stuff, right? That's what it's all about. The other stuff yeah. is just to help and facilitate you doing yeah. it better. Exactly, mate, yeah. To, to help uh, you to cope
0: that's that's the crux isn't it with addiction there's a lot of poor coping skills we don't everything's great when everything's great mm. the minute we hit an obstacle then we see what we're really like making i don't want to sound yeah. like some fucking sas motivational speaker type yeah. thing but that's it isn't it when things are going well of course it's easy
1: yeah but how do You're we right. cope when things aren't like that, that's why I think addiction and anxiety are so closely related because the anxiety is often about your terror of the good times ending, there being change or disruption to your life, something bad lurking for you around the corner, right? Yeah. And, And then you kind of get sober, and at first you sort of think, well, now that I'm sober, hopefully that will get rid of all the bad things that were bothering me in my life like whether that be hangovers or relationship problems or just the constant fucking sense of shame right oh great that's all gone so that anyways no bad shit keeps coming at you yeah so what it is is learn to fucking know it's coming and have faith in yourself to cope with it right um and i think that that's the big that's that that's one of the big turning points is when you realize look Shit keeps coming. Life doesn't yeah. get good overnight. People talk about the pink cloud, don't they? And yeah. I used to sometimes say to people when I was like in the first few years, it's fine, right? Just wait six weeks. Then you'll get this fucking euphoria. It'll be like you're on a pill the whole time, right? <laughs> and they go, what? Oh, and does that last forever? <laughs> I think, yeah, kind of. I think, no, it fucking doesn't. It comes in a rush. It might last for a week or two. But after that, <laughs> life just fucking carries on. Yeah, I've had a. Yeah. I have had was saying the other day, I've had a fucking great year. And then my cat dropped dead, right? And I'm like, fuck, my cat's dead. And, like, my cat had played such a huge role in my recovery, right? Because I had a special relationship with my cat. It wasn't sexual. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was like... Do there was, uh, I don't know, it fucking... It was a calming sort of thing. And it represented to me a goodness and a consistency in my life and a simplicity. Do you know what I mean? And the fact that I could feel relaxed and calm just by spending time. And then it fucking dropped dead this year. And I'm like, fuck. But the thing is, is that. you know you you, you kind of you, you accept it you don't try and distract yourself from it no, you don't no. you don't try and pretend it doesn't matter you don't do the whole kind of i'll be resilient and crack on you know fucking honored the fact that he he was dead you know and i and i and i felt sad and just fucking took that on do you know what i mean and then and then you just you know you, you keep moving um what tell me a bit about now um when you started your um when you started to do spoken word and what role your creativity has played in your ongoing recovery
0: quite an important role i think like because you re- you recovery kind of goes in stages and it you know like your level 1 is you you, you get sober and you meet all these other people who are sober and you Having coffees with them, going to the match with them, and all that. And, and, and then, kind of level two, it's kind of, you know, you've got to make some behavior changes here. And mm. the point we're trying to get to is you want to feel a sense of purpose and belonging and connection with other human beings. Mm. And for most of us, that is just the thought of that is just sickening. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Inherent fucking loners. Most of the most things, right? Ninety-five percent of stuff that gets put my way offered, suggested. My instinctive thought is, "Fuck off!" You'll <laughs> fucking have to. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I mean, it only lasts a couple of seconds, and I end yeah. up doing, doing it and enjoying it and all that. But I, so, yeah, that that I didn't start. I was ten years sober before I started doing that properly. And um, but it's just added like another level of um. It doesn't. It might not mean anything to other people, but to to me, it does. It it makes me feel a bit more like um, I'm very. I'm trying to find another word other than whole because it's a bit hippie-ish, But mm. it's whole, isn't it? It's it's complete. I I imag- always imagine myself with like my body, and um, just something shriveled up inside it. And each time I make progress in recovery, it, it fills up a bit, and it fills up a bit until. I'm, I'm whole and and being creative helped stuff like that being creative helping other people um having conversations that i didn't want to have with people mm. close ones loved ones having boundaries man you know what i mean boundaries do not leave home without them they mm. just they save me life they keep me safe because i didn't have any i just say yeah to everything i want to please people and i and i act in a I'll be liked for a couple of minutes or seconds or hours, but I know there's a big consequence coming. But fuck that, I'll deal with that when it comes. Yeah, that's how I lived
1: my life, and I kind of live it the opposite way now. And you have so to I've get put, not not to get too psychoanalytical because I'm not qualified to do it, but just going back to what you said about how you felt when you know you subconsciously felt when you were young that you were worthless or yeah. or you were an inconvenience. Do you yeah. think that's where then the later people pleasing comes from? Yeah, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna show these people I'm not a dickhead and I'm not an
0: inconvenience. Yeah. Watch this, and do it another way by I yeah. don't know fibbing, sitting yeah. in pubs, lying, making up stories. That it's funny, isn't it? Because I get paid to do that now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I used to do: exaggerate and claim this and that. I'll do this, I'll do that, and and I always let the side down. So the thing I you know said it earlier. I'm trying to prove I'm not a fucking plant pot. Everyone ends up thinking I'm a plant pot and. With recovery, you just gotta kind of play the long game, haven't you? You gotta mm. be—it's about like be consistent as a person. Have boundaries, and boundaries can piss people off sometimes, especially when you have to tell them no, or, whether, yeah. or when you have to tell them they're being out of order. So there's like yeah. a, a short-term consequence, you know, someone will be pissed off with you, but there's a long-term gain that people don't fuck with you really. People don't come to you with their nonsense anymore. Yeah. remember being in rehab and, that, and just freaking out in the group room one day, just freaking out, going about it completely the wrong way. What I was saying, I stand by, but I was said it was wrong. I just like, there was all kinds of sneakiness going on that you're not supposed to do in there. And a couple of people had smuggled phones in. These were sleeping with each other. He was sneaking out of a night. And mm. I just went, rah, fuck this. I'm not lying anymore. Fucking <laughs> pack it in. Don't be coming to me with your fucking lies. I'm not that. And I just yeah. kind of freaked out. Everyone was a bit like, what's wrong with him? But it was, it was, I was trying to say to them, like, that shit got me here. All that, yeah. like, immature nonsense, you know, emotional immaturity. That's why I'm a 26-year-old man stuck in a rehab with nothing. Yeah. And I don't want to carry on doing it. So you fuck off. You fuck off. And they but from that, maybe like six, seven weeks later, when new people would move into the rehab, the staff would say to them, go and talk to PJ. Yeah. He's, he's, go, he's moving in the right direction. If you want yeah. if you want guidance, go and talk to him. And that was the first time that had ever happened to me. Yeah. I just thought, wow, people take these staff in here, see me as a responsible human being. Fucking hell, this is mad. And then one of them said, if you're still sober after a year, think about taking you on here that was yeah. a nice boost but I, yeah. I didn't want to do it it was just like no that like wouldn't want to work somewhere like this but all those things just made me feel yeah that way is again whole like i'm i'm not an
1: inconvenience you know mm. what i mean and also there's like when you, when you get really brutally honest about yourself and just get like closer to just being Cool with exposing every single part of yourself, every availability and all the rest of it. Fuck me, just suddenly feel like amazing. And um, you feel slightly yeah. bulletproof, don't you? It's very, very empowering. Mm. But I grew up with the message
0: that it's disempowering. Don't ever do that. Don't tell yeah. anyone it's weak. Don't show them it. They'll play on it. Nobody spelled that out to me. It, so in my upbringing, it's more what wasn't said and what yeah. was nobody yeah. told us this, that, and the other, but it was just non-verbal messages we were getting, like, and um, yeah, that was one of mine. Also, Don't do that because this will happen, but then I couldn't... done it and just felt no one can touch me.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, I've, I've I've read in in interviews that you've done in the past stuff you've said, you know, about this idea of there's a lot of performative masculinity, especially if you're from a very kind of working class part of the world, yeah. which you are. Um, and you and um, you know you, you you can't show vulnerability, but you also almost like guard against showing any sensitivity or even any level of intelligence because it can sort of yeah. make people take against you. yeah I mean yeah, I read a, something that you said once about so someone used the word <laughs> was it whatsoever or That's it yeah none yeah, whatsoever. And, true, uh, yeah. and he got and he
0: ended up getting beaten up for it. Yeah, there's this it was like I remember that exact situation. It was in my flat. Someone was asking for a, a cigarette like to make a spliff with, and yeah. no one was replying. And and he just shouted out, as as been no siggies whatsoever. <laughs> and everyone just kind of turned around and went, This this is trying to be clever with us using words yeah. like whatsoever. Yeah. It's got ostracized like one of them. But yeah, where I grew up we were talking about this yesterday at work, like anything different was viewed with suspicion, like food, clothes, people, hobbies, students, just anything, it was just they're different to us, so let's... And again, that never got spelled out. It was just the message we got, like be careful with them, they're different. He wears cords, watch him. Do you know (laughs) what I mean? Yeah. I get it now. I get it because I was so, like, uncomfortable with who I was years ago that I wouldn't do anything that had rocked the boat, whereas I'm not too hung up on what people think of me now to a certain extent, and um, I, I get it. I'm the one who gets it. Like, mates I've grew up with say to me, what are you doing? Poetry? Mm-hmm. like, no, no, stories, and they're like, what, well, so, like, stand up? I'm like, no, and you go, what are you doing that for? You know, they just can't fathom out by somebody from, where we're from would would want to do something like
1: that? Yeah, That's, yeah, makes no sense to them. But but do you find that because you're so you can be so upfront about explaining it and talking about yeah. it, it's a lot less bad than in the past you might have done something that was a little bit different and you try and bullshit your mates yeah. so they wouldn't know you were doing it, or you exactly. go, oh, "I'm yeah. not really doing it." Do you yeah. know? What I mean? It's unashamed now. It's unashamed. Yeah. Where does it, yeah. Just be but, like- Resolving to be unashamed about the weird bits of yourself again you're like mate and you find that people kind of back off when they can sense that you don't give a shit so anyone who might have have taken the piss or bullied you or you know tried to sort of make you feel less because you were doing something different the moment they see it as something that you could not give a fuck about Right, yeah. they kind of back off because they it's think drawn, I've, got, I've I've got nothing to gain from taking the piss here. Do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, uh, I think that's that's a really wonderful thing. So, yeah. so now, as as well as your um, spoken word and your uh, your art that you that you do in the you know the guise of Roy, you also your day job is working with people in recovery, right?
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I work at a place called Damien John Kelly House. And um, I've been doing similar jobs for maybe twelve, thirteen years, but this one is the one that kind of we're kind of using all the mistakes and things we didn't agree with from previous jobs to get this this one right. And it's just um, that's pretty life affirming, to be honest. I know that's a that sounds cheesy, you know, but how can how can it not be when you literally watch people change into much better human beings? They are of much more use to the families, the communities, themselves. That's, we try and instill it in people, you know, start to make decisions based on self and other equally. Yeah. You know what I mean, don't just make it for yourself. That's pretty selfish. Don't make it based on what your wife or your dad wants you to do because you're, you're missing yourself out there. Try and get that balance, right? And it's not easy to do. When you've been like someone I've been, a people pleaser, or you know, my well beings based on what other people think of me. But like you said earlier, it's it's really powerful. You start to feel, oh yeah, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. The gap between who you think you are and who you really are gets bridged oh, when yeah. you're doing when you're doing like the inner inner way. You know what I mean? If you do it, because yeah. a lot of people, ourselves probably included, when we knew we had an issue with substances would just be, well, I just need to change, get this job or move out or yeah. change partners. Or, it was all external because external mm. seems easy. But if you do it the right way around, change who you are internally, all the external stuff works out anyway. I don't know anyone who's been in recovery for like three, four, five years who hasn't ended up getting a decent job, who has become more kind of attractive to employers and partners and friends just doors open for you when you change who you're and you're consistent with it why wouldn't they you know what I mean
1: yeah that I mean that is life affirming mate there's no yeah. other, there's no other phrase I can think of and it and it's really inspirational is it tough on you though sometimes working with people in recovery as well I mean does it take a lot for you to sort of deal with with people every day who are going through struggles and seeing some of them not always succeed straight away it can be frustrating um,
0: when you can see something coming a, like a mile off. You mm. can see a relapse process happening. You can see like an emotional relapse. You know a mental relapse is going to happen soon and then you know what happens after that. And there's, a, there's only so much. You can't stop people. You know what I mean? You can't save people. We don't take credit for saving people. We don't take the blame. If people lapse, we just do what we do, and some take it on, and some don't. Most do, to be fair. It's a, it's a good community of people we've got, and at the core of it is just kind of art, sport, culture, and it seems to be working out
1: okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creativity is obviously a really powerful force in all of this. I know that one of the key switches in my life was switching off. All news and radio, talk radio, yeah. and only committing myself to, like, listening to music, right? A <laughs> simple like change, but yeah. very effective, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and is that is, is so that is the sort of, you know, that's the driving force of the uh, uh, of your work, is it? Like, creative and arts-based?
0: Yeah, um, physical and kind of, like,
1: there's some emotional
0: therapy groups where we, we talk about, like, what we've been talking about. noticing your triggers and your patterns and joining the dots together and basically being accountable. So not, you know, if someone, if I sit here and go, you know, listen, Sam, this is doing me editing, that's doing me editing, that's the. Ultimately, we want to go underneath that. You know, you'd probably say, what is it about this in you? And I know it sounds kind of a bit hippy-trippy, but you can't just keep blaming outside things for the... Mm. the the situation you've ended up in, because it'll go nowhere and you'll keep ending up in them situations. The minute you take some kind of responsibility for things, that's when my life changed. Mm. That's when my life changed, when I held my hands up. Not about saying everything's my fault, but about saying I'm going to take some responsibility for how I'm going to react to this now or what I do about this instead of just sitting and complaining. It's it's a it seems so obvious,
1: but it's not. It's not. Well, in your yeah, heart yeah, When you when you're using, when you're drinking or using drugs, it's like that is your response to a bad situation. Of course, it's complaining and 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 take and and just like sort of disappearing from it yeah. for a little while, yeah. and and uh, you don't have much other choice once you, you're no. sober to than to just confront this no. stuff. And each time you confront it, it becomes a little bit easier, and you learn a bit more. Um, The way you talk about this stuff is amazing. Um, And I would imagine that that is so powerful for the people you work with in recovery. Because, you know, on a few occasions in our chat now, you know, (laughs) there's been moments where... You've, you've sort of, you know, said, well, I don't want to use this phrase because it's a bit hippie or it might sound yeah. a bit this, that, the that, other. That. That's yeah. I've got to look at,
0: in it? What's that about, that? Eh? What's No, I, with hippies, no,
1: I, no but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nothing wrong with hippies. <laughs> but I know what you mean. I know what you mean because, I, I, you know, I think the same thing. I think, you know, the sort of stuff you're saying is, is very powerful. It's very helpful. I'm sure people listening to this now draw a lot out of it. But it's, it's not just the content, it's the way in which you say it. And that's another struggle that we've got, isn't it? Is mm. that a lot of these conversations traditionally have been sort of couched in a more formal or clinical, yeah. or sometimes, like, it can sound a bit pretentious or new age or whatever. Yeah. Some of the language, psychobabble, can sound a bit alienating. Yeah. And if you can read between the lines and you know what, this, what the psychobabble means, which... Yeah. Well, you and I probably it. do, even though we don't talk yeah. that way. We kind of can understand. I can sit in a group you know with other sorts of people academically, but I can understand what they mean because I, frankly, I've been in recovery long enough and I've read enough about it that I know. But it's alienating to other people some yeah. of that stuff, and it is yeah. And so it's. I just think what you're doing and the way you do it is really important, and it's a, and it's a, and it proves to everyone else out there as well that, that if you can share. And you can just talk about shit in your own language, then yeah. that's going to help people a huge amount because you know these conversations need to be done in as many different types of language as possible, don't they? Yeah,
0: yeah, you're right about like um, it can exclude people. That mm. what you call like psychobabble. and you've probably heard the the phrase about like having had a spiritual awakening, and mm. and that just that just terrified me. That when I was yeah. like twenty six and. Um, I, you know, I told someone who was helping me and he he just kind of, like, translated it into into scouse, basically. Into Yes. No, he just went, mate, he went, all that means, mate, is, like, the ability to act, think and feel different in that order, and that's what yeah. you're after. So that's... I've passed... That fella who told me that he's passed away, like, but I, I've took that with me and when I see people freaking out at those kind of phrases, I'm like, listen, man, we'll just yeah. simplify it. This is all it means.
1: Yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, isn't. I
0: get that now. I understand that, but like, like you say, it can be off-putting. You can just think, this isn't for me. Yeah,
1: yeah, mate, you're genuinely such an inspirational bloke. You know, I'm a big fan of your work and your art. But listening to you talk today and your thoughts on therapy, I think you know the people who you're working with are very lucky people, and and I, like I and I hope that. You know, the people listening to this will take a lot of inspiration because I can imagine, especially if you're struggling you're thinking about how you might begin to sort of improve your situation, then listening yeah. to your words today, you know, I think would have helped a lot of people. I'm, I'm yeah. really grateful for your time, mate. I'm blown Thanks away by some of the stuff you said today. I really appreciate it. It's late, right, Sam. Cheers, mate. That was PJ Smith, a.k.a. Roy, a top bloke. I can highly recommend his collection of stories, Algorithm Party. I'll put a link to it in the blurb under this episode. If you want to find out more about his work and maybe go and see him live, then follow him on Twitter at BadWool9. That's B-A-D-W-O-O-L-9. The man's a creative powerhouse doing amazing work, so I strongly urge you to check out more of his output. Well, that's it for this week. Remember to subscribe at samdelaney.substat.com for more podcasts and regular newsletters from me. For a fiver a month, you can help keep the reset going in 2023 and beyond. Until next time, gang, be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well?